Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. And as you know, we have been doing a pastor rotation each month this year. We've had Pastor John, Pastor Jonathan, today we have Pastor John, but a different one, and then there's Dave. Um, Dave is in Topeka, and we have the honor of hosting Pastor John Griffith and his wife, Brogan, today from our church in Topeka Community Church. You guys are going to be so blessed. It's so fun to be around John and Brogan, the life and the faith that they bring. It's so fun to hear what God's doing through them and in them in Topeka. And so give a very warm welcome to Pastor John Griffith. Come on up. Thanks, Michaela. It's good to be here. It's funny, I forget about the the John thing uh, because at our church in Topeka, everyone is named Ryan. We have like three Ryans uh, like on our leadership team. And so it's like, hey, this is Ryan, 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 and John. So I forget that... Uh, in the network, it's all John's, but it's good to be here. Uh, yeah, I'm from Topeka. Brogan and I live in Topeka. Planting a, we planted a church there and uh, merged with kind of an older, dying church. And it was just this amazing move of the Lord that God kind of set up for us. And it's been exciting. It's been about two years there. Uh, it's good to be here with you guys. Uh, man, I, I just, I love Dave. I love Becky. I love this church, Michaela, and everybody here. Um, man, if, if I know most of you probably don't know me and don't know our church, you probably don't know most of the people at our church, but I want you to know we're, we, we're standing with you guys and we're in this with you guys and, uh, vice versa. I know Dave and Becky and, and the whole team feel the same way about us, but it's amazing being in this network, uh, of some other churches being in a group together, linking arms together, uh, that man, we really are standing in this with you that we believe in you. We believe in your church and uh, are excited about what God is doing here. So since Dave is gone, uh, I thought I would lighten things up a bit. First John can be a little heavy, you know, so I thought I would lighten it up a bit and uh, talk about the Antichrist. Is that cool? Yeah, no, I'm actually not joking. Uh, We're talking about the Antichrist this morning. (laughs) Uh, Dave was like, hey, uh, I know you're like, we, we did this whole thing. It's hilarious. We planned this monthly rotation where we were going to pastor swap so we could all get to know each other's churches and, you know, that kind of thing. And the idea was, hey, everyone just bring, like, your life message so you don't have to rewrite anything. Just each of the four churches, you bring your life message. Literally not one time have I been asked to do that. I'm all, like, then we get to a church, like, hey, actually, we're doing a series. Could just this one time, could you just write something different for our series? Literally every church has been something different. I'm like, what happened to a life message? Like, I haven't, I haven't even written it, like, because... I haven't needed to, but it's good to be here. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, did anybody, I'm a child of the 90s, so I'm a certain demographic in here, but I grew up in, uh, in kind of a certain slice of Christianity in the 90s where Left Behind was really popular. Did you guys, did anybody else read Left Behind? I read like all 12 or however many there were. There was, there's too many. Like I think originally there was supposed to be seven and then they just like, why not keep making them, you know? And so I had this view of, like, the end times that uh, 
was very specific to the left behind. And because that's what I read, I assume this is the only interpretation of, you know, Revelation and different passages of the Bible. Uh, how many on? That is not the only interpretation of the Bible. It's not the only view. I was shocked when I got to college. We're like, what? This, this isn't the only way of seeing this, you know? And so, so if you are, you know, in that place, you hear Antichrist and your mind goes to like, which world leader is the Antichrist? Is it Putin? Is it, you know, some, is it some, one of my least favorite presidents? You know, like, who is it? You know, and that's not really how it is. Biblically, uh, you know, there might be one kind of future person, but also it's, there's a different understanding that I think John wants to give us about this, that, that this isn't just going to be like theological exercise. This will actually be practical to our lives, I think. So um, when I was a kid, around the time that I was reading Left Behind, this other scandal happened when I was a kid. Here in Kansas City, some of you guys might remember, there was a pharmacist arrested for watering down cancer drugs. Do you guys remember that? It was like 2002 here in Kansas City, uh, and it was a really big deal because he... Uh, these doses, it was like chemotherapy drugs, and it was like $1,000 a dose. And so he's thinking, hey, I'm going to, you know, triple my profit margin by watering them down and selling them at the same price. Now, when it was found out, they were, the feds and doctors were horrified because they, they said, you're robbing these cancer patients at a fighting chance to survive by watering it down. And I thought this was fascinating that these doctors said, I thought this was fascinating. They said that it was more dangerous to give cancer patients diluted cancer drugs than to not give them any drugs at all. Isn't that fascinating? It's more dangerous to give them diluted cancer drugs than to not give them any at all. Why? Because it's a double whammy. Not only are the drugs not strong enough to kill the cancer really bad, but two, they also get the negative side effects of the drugs really bad. It's a lose-lose. And the Fed said that they said that what he did, in essence, was rob cancer patients of the chance to live. And I thought this was a fascinating picture of what we're going to talk about this morning, that, that by watering down these chemo drugs, this man robbed cancer patients of a fighting chance to survive. It's so similar to what we're talking about today, in that the greatest enemy in the church today is not an external threat. It's not persecution by the government or by mean people on social media or something like that, right? The greatest threat is not external, it's, it's internal. John, as we will see, is trying to warn us and gain our attention that, that we don't need to look on the outside, we need to see there are people trying to infiltrate the life of the church and water it down its effectiveness from the inside. And just like those cancer drugs, when they get watered down, they rob dying people of a chance at life. That's what happens when the church gets watered down in its potency and effectiveness. The world needs the life and the solution the church brings to the world. But the world is robbed of that chance when the church isn't living at its highest level. You see what I'm saying? All right. So here's, uh, here's my main idea. You ready for this? I... I've never had the word antichrist in one of my main points before, okay? But here we go. This is my main point. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Uh, how does this work? Well, here's how it works. The antichrist spirit is working very hard to tear down what Christ is building up. The antichrist spirit tears down what Christ builds up. That's how it works. That's what we're talking about. The, I heard this, there's a phrase, a common phrase, when the church uh, sneezes, the world gets a cold. 
when the, the church sneezes, the world gets a cold. So the question becomes, is this happening now? Is this antichrist spirit tearing down what, what Jesus is building up? Is that happening now? How do we tell? And is it possible to stop it? What do we do? Okay, let's dive in. First John chapter 4. We're going to be mainly in 1 through 6, the first chunk of First John 4. John starts this. He says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them. Everybody say test them. Test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. Now, preemptive point I think about here is which Spirit are you living by? Are you living your life by the power of the Holy Spirit? Because John seems to think that it's possible to do that, right? He doesn't say, don't believe anyone who speaks with the Spirit. He says, don't believe everybody. Like, some people can live their lives by the Spirit. So the question is, are you, are we, am I living my life by the power of the Holy Spirit? It's, has anybody been following, like, there was the Asbury outpouring revival, whatever you want to call it. It was, it was exciting. It was cool. And it was funny because there are, you know, certain Christians who don't believe in the power of uh, like spiritual gifts, you know, um, prophecy and healing and all those kinds of things. And they're called cessationists. The, the gifts ceased. And it's hilarious that uh, normally, I saw this meme this week. Dave and I sent a lot of memes to each other. And there's this Christian meme that was basically, it was like cessationists on a normal day. The gifts don't exist anymore. But cessationists during the my gift of discernment tells me something is off about this. And you're like, wait, your gift, I, have, I thought the gifts don't exist anymore, right? And so are you living life as a passive bystander to the things that God is doing, or are you in the game? Are you here at the church? Just, hey, whatever Dave says, I will just do it. He's the one who's living life by the Spirit. And are you just following along, or are you, living, are you fully engaged in what God wants to do in your life and through your life? So I think that's the first, the first question to think about. But then the, the main idea John's trying to, to, to get us to understand here is that ideas are not just ideas. Ideas are not just ideas. Look, he says, don't believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. Test them. So he's connecting communication, beliefs, ideas with certain kinds of spirits, some good, some bad. John Stott, uh, an academic, says, says something really intriguing. He says that you mustn't make the mistake to think that religious diversity and religious views are merely intellectual or cognitive phenomena, merely like, like difference of opinions, right? He says you have a lot of political views, a lot of religious opinions. He says, no, 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 that's not how it works. Because what John is telling us is that behind the range of religious views is a range of real spiritual influences. You see what I'm saying there? He says, behind the diversity of all the beliefs in the world, it's not just difference of opinion. There's a, a very real spiritual influence behind those. Some good, some bad. There is a real spiritual realm. There's a real transcendent realm. And so when we let bad beliefs or bad ideas into the life of the church, we're not just tolerating diversity of ideas. We're possibly allowing spirits to take root in the church that maybe are not what we think they are. That's what John is trying to get our attention. He says, hey, pay attention. Pay attention. Not every idea is a good idea. Not every belief comes from the same spirit. Pay attention. You don't want to let certain kinds of things into the church. 
You see what I'm saying? And so he goes on, because you might be wondering, well, how do we tell? This seems important. How do we know? And he says, well, this is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. Great. This is easy. This is, he's about to make it really black and white for us. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. He says, if they acknowledge Jesus came in a real body, you're like, that's a really specific characteristic of Jesus. Like, there seem to be maybe other, possibly more important, like, what about the resurrection? You know, like, it seems like you could deny the resurrection, but get this right and still be way off. You know, why is he singling this specific thing out, you know? And it's kind of like, you know, uh, if if this is your first time here, you, you may not know who Dave is, but Dave's the, the normal pastor, and, and most of you probably know him. He's a, an amazing guy. We could start listing out characteristics of Dave, right? Dave is... Uh, he's hilarious. He's uh, super creative. He's an amazing father and husband, you know, leader, very creative, right? All these things. Uh, we, one identifying characteristic, he's a little short in the hair department. And I'm not trying to bag on Dave. He's, I love him. He's awesome. But imagine I come to this church and I go, hey, City Life Church, it's great to be here. I just spoke with Dave. He's not here. I got off the phone with him. He told me to communicate to you the new vision and direction of this church. And I communicate this stuff, and you're like, well, that's slightly different what he, than what he told us before. So you're like, prove it. How do you know Dave? Tell us about Dave. We're like, oh, well, he's great father. You're like, yep, checks out. Uh, he's super creative. Yep, checks out. He's funny. Yep. Huge, full head of hair. And you're like, wait, no. I'm not convinced you know Dave. I'm not sure we're talking about the same person, right? And it's like, is this the defining characteristic of him? No, he's a lot more than this. But at, it's at this point that we disagree. It's at this point where the truth is in contention. You see what I'm saying? It's the same way as back in this day. In this time when John is writing, there are two heresies trying to work their way into the life of the church. You don't need to remember these, but they're called Gnosticism and Docetism. And basically, they were more informed by Plato and Aristotle than by Jesus. And they, the main idea was that spiritual things are good, physical things are bad, right? Uh, and the goal is that we would live our lives to such a degree that we would escape the physical realm and we'd just become spirit beings floating on clouds playing harps for eternity, right? Sounds like a lot of people's theology, doesn't it? Just escape the dirty world. And so they thought, because of that, they thought, well, Jesus can't had a physical body because the physical is dirty. It's icky. You get like dirt in your fingernails and it's ah, right? They said, no, it was just, it maybe looked like a spirit, a physical body, but it was a spiritual body. And so John is saying, no, 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 no. That is not true. That is not a truth from the spirit of God. That is from a different spirit. And so is Jesus, can you sum up all of who Jesus is by saying, physical body? No, but this is the point where they were contending about what is true. And so he says, hey, prove you're not a uh, Gnostic, you know? Say Jesus had a real body. That, that's what was going on. So it'd be like in this, be like, hey, prove you know Dave. Say he's bald. Say it. You know, like, I don't think you know who he is. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's what was going on. And so the idea is to confess what is true about Jesus. Because how many guys know we're not necessarily arguing in the church or with the world about, well, did Jesus come in a real physical body? Or we're, That's not really the thing that we're debating. But the same war is raging just on different theological grounds. 
You all know what I'm talking about. And so the goal is not, John isn't saying, hey, no matter what the issue is, just say Jesus had a real body. That's not really what's going on. He's just saying, hey, confess what is true about Jesus. Confess what is true. And so it might be a different thing that we're confessing what is true about Jesus today. Okay? Now he goes on. He says, so, you know, if they confess he came in a real body, they have the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist. There you go. You came to church and said Antichrist. There you go. It's a good morning right here. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. Now, it seems like some of the people John is writing to had kind of an idea like I did when I read Left Behind. Like, the Antichrist is this evil man who will come in three years and destroy the world. And then when that doesn't happen, it'll be, actually, no, they were wrong. It was three more years, right? It's, you know, and they, they had this idea. It was in the future, this future person. But John is saying that may be the case, but the spirit of the Antichrist is already here already engaged in the work to destroy and water down the potency of the church, of your church, right? This is the people he's writing to. So pay attention. He's already here. Don't think this is a future thing. It's happening right now, okay? And I think it's helpful um, to think about, you know, to think about how do you identify this? What is the purpose of this this spirit of the Antichrist John sees you talking about? And think about, well, what is Jesus's goal? Because the Antichrist is, is anti-Jesus. It's a spirit working against the things Jesus is working to do. It's trying to do the opposite. And so I think about the story where Peter makes this amazing confession. You might be familiar with this story uh, where he says, Jesus, you're the, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus gives him a gold star. He says, A plus, Peter. You know, God revealed this to you. And then he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. Two things. I will build my church, and how? On, on this rock. So who's going to build the church? Jesus. Yeah, you can talk. It's Jesus. You're like, are we allowed to? This is church. Yeah. Jesus will build his church. His goal is to build his church. Why? Because the church is his body doing the things that Jesus is doing on the earth. The, the church is God's solution to the problems in the world. The the church brings the kingdom of God. The church shows Jesus to the world, right? And so what is the Antichrist spirit trying to decrease the potency of the thing Jesus is building, trying to tear down the thing Jesus is trying to build? Now, the other part is how will he build it? He'll build it upon this rock. What does that mean? Now, some of our, you know, theological brothers and sisters will say, well, he's talking about Peter is the first pope. And I would say that that's not necessarily what that rock is. The rock is the confession from Peter that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Upon the rock of the confession of who Jesus is, that is what the church is built upon. This revelation, the fullness of truth of who Jesus really is. And that's what the church is built upon. And so this spirit of the Antichrist knows, man, okay, the the church, to be the church, really has got to get Jesus right and so how can I chip away at that, at what they believe about Jesus? Maybe I can, you know, change what they believe about Jesus because that's really going to lead to how they live being different, right? 
And so the, the spirit of the Antichrist might let us have, you know, a, a 2D version of Jesus, right? Like really, really nice Jesus. Like y'all can have really, really nice Jesus. Doesn't get in any arguments, doesn't cause, he doesn't ruffle any feathers. He's just really, really nice. Just love is love, just love everybody, man, you know, but, but none of the other stuff. Because he knows, man, if you believe that that is the fullness of who Jesus is, you're missing out on so much, and it's going to cause you to sideline yourself out of so much of what the church is supposed to be doing. You see what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe not that. Maybe he'll let you keep therapist Jesus. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, man, just, let's just figure out your Enneagram number, and, you know, let's just work through your childhood traumas. And listen, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. I love it, you know. But like, hey, it's all of the all of the Christian faith is not summed up in just being introspective, right? And if if this spirit knows he can just get us just to sideline ourselves, just looking inward all the time, we're gonna be totally unengaged from so much of what the church needs to be doing, right? So if he can water down what we believe to be true about Jesus, then he waters down all the effects of what we're supposed to be doing. There are other, you know, versions of Jesus, activist Jesus, spiritual guru Jesus, good teacher Jesus, you know, so many things. We want the full Jesus because that is the rock upon which the church is built. And we need, we need a strong foundation, don't we? Now, I used to wonder, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that the church has historically believed pretty much the same for 2,000 years, um, you know, like about uh, sexuality, marriage, family, things like that. And, you know, I used to get confused. Like in today's day and age, it seemed like, you know, maybe a while ago, if someone believes something different, they would just leave the church and say, well, I'm not a Christian anymore because I don't want to believe that anymore. You're like, it's fine. It's a free country. Do what you want to do. But it seems like now people like need the church to affirm what they believe. It's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, no, no, no. It's not enough that we disagree and I'm not a part of you. You have to agree with me. And it's like, why? We've always believed this for 2,000 years. Why all of a sudden do you need, you know, to convince people, well, actually the Bible says this completely other thing. And I, I used to get confused, like, why? You could just leave. You don't, no one's forcing you to be here. It's a free country. And I think there are probably many reasons for this. You can probably think of some great, uh, true reasons. But at least one, at least one of the reasons is the spirit of the Antichrist is trying to water down the potency of church. You see what I'm saying? All ideas are not equal. All ideas don't come from the same place. Okay? Not, not all ideas come from the same spirit is what John is trying to tell us. And so when we just let ideas into the church, we don't even think about where they're coming from. We don't even think about the effect that they're going to have. We just swallow them wholesale. Man, that, that has an effect. It's like watering down cancer drugs. Man, there's going to be very serious side effects to that. You see what I'm saying here? And so John says, test, test them. Don't just swallow everything wholesale, test them. And I got two, two lies. This is not a, uh, an exhaustive list, but I just got two lies that I believe the church has swallowed wholesale without testing, without thinking about where they came from. Y'all ready? Lie number one. These are our lies that the uh, spirit of the Antichrist has, has brought into the church and watered us down. Number one. It is keep your faith private. Keep your faith private. Christianity is meant to stay private. 
Basically, you can believe whatever you want to believe. You can believe in Jesus. You can go to church. You can practice your faith. But don't let it affect how you live out in public. Don't let it affect the way you run a business. Don't let it affect the way you vote. Definitely don't put it on social media. You know, just keep it to yourself. And I think about several heroes of the faith who were told the same thing. There's a guy named William Wilberforce back in the 1800s who fought most of his life to end slavery in the U.K. way before we did here in the U.S., Hero. I mean, ended the transatlantic slave uh, trade in the UK. Spent like 50 years. You know what his critics told him most to try to sideline him? Hey, man, keep your faith private. Hey, man, your faith is supposed to keep your faith private. Why did they want him to keep his faith private? Because they were the ones profiting off of the transatlantic slave trade. So, yeah, of course they wanted him to keep his faith private, but it had nothing to do with whether his faith should stay private or not. It just had to do with they wanted to keep making a profit. You see what I'm saying? So should he have kept his faith private? No, he shouldn't have, and thank God he didn't. Because, man, that's not really what what they mean. Michael Perry, who's a church state scholar, Uh, he's an expert at Wake Forest University, said to say, quote, religious reasoning must be kept out of the public square because it's faith-based and controversial is itself a faith-based statement which is incredibly controversial and therefore on its own terms ought to be thrown out. Okay? Uh, The the quote, all religions are equally valid to God, that's that's essentially what they mean. They say, hey, keep your faith private. Why? Because what they're really asserting to be true is that all religions are equal. And you're like, well, I don't know if Jesus agrees with that. Therefore, Tim, Tim Keller says this. He says, keep your religion out of the public realm. What that really means is, quote, my enlightenment Western individualistic faith assumptions about human nature are privileged over yours. I can bring mine into the public realm. You cannot. So we're all bringing religious assumptions into the public realm. But it's just a question of who's allowed to and who's not. You see what I'm saying? So keep your faith private is a lie from the pit of hell. The spirit of the Antichrist is imported into the life of the church to what? To keep you sidelined. To keep the church sidelined. To water down the cancer drugs the world needs. And who, who has destroyed all of us? Not only us in the church, it's not just, hey, this isn't fair, we have a voice too. No, it's the world is missing out on the answers the church needs to bring into the world. That's lie number one. Y'all ready for lie number two? Is this too personal? Some of you are like, man, I'm uncomfortable. It's like the, 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 that, that gif with the kid from The Symptoms. I'm in danger. <laughs> number two, don't get political, just preach the gospel. Don't get political, just preach the gospel. So uh, in response, I'm going to tell you my five favorite candidates that you should vote for. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But think about this. Uh, another hero, William Carey, missionary to, the, uh, to India. Around the exact same time that William Wilberforce was fighting against slavery, this guy was in India. And one of the practices that he came across when he moved to India was called sati, which was when a woman's husband died, she no longer had any value to society. They burned her at the stake simply for being a widow. Yeah, we're horrified, obviously, for good reason. And he got there, and he's preaching the gospel. He's trying to make disciples. Also, speaks out very vocally against this practice of sati. 
But think about this. What if he had kept his faith private? What if he had not gotten political and just, I'm just going to preach the gospel? You know, at some point, maybe they'll figure out, you know, what Jesus wants. And, you know, hundreds of years go by, thousands of widows burned at the stake. Thank God. Thank God he didn't do that. You see what I'm saying? Thank God. What about 100 years ago? Should the American church have preached against the injustice of Jim Crow laws in the U.S. and the candidates that kept them up? Do you think the church should have preached against those things? Yes. Then you think that your faith should be political in some way. Now, thank God the church did do that. Christians did stand up for that, and they, they spoke out, and preachers preached, and Christians talked about it. Why? Because your faith isn't just to be private. Should have the German church in 1930s and 40s spoken out against Nazis and Hitler. Yes, they should have. Unfortunately, not very many of them did. And some of you might be like, well, that's different. That's like a life or death situation. It's not like political. That's exactly my point. It's a life or death situation, right? What you believe has real effects in the way that you live. Ideas have consequences. Not all ideas are from the same spirit. Again, this is, I'm just telling you what John is telling us. Ideas have consequences, and they're not all from the same spirit. So test them. Test them. Pay attention to where these things are coming from. Now, he keeps going. John goes on, and he says, but you, he kind of wraps a bow on, all right, you got done enough of the Antichrist. Let's move on. He says, but you belong to God, dear children. And I think this is just a word from God, right? Obviously, it is. It's in the scriptures, but, but just specifically, I think it's a word of God to the American church, to you and I today. He says, but you belong to God. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Come on, somebody give me an amen this morning. Y'all encouraged by that. The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Specifically, he's talking about the spirit of the Antichrist. There's no reason to be afraid. you got the spirit of the living God living in you, and you have already won a victory over these things. He says those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. But we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Now, I think this is amazing. There is no need for you to be afraid. You hear like, Antichrist, oh no, the end is near. Like, I need to go, you know, hoard in my basement, you know. Like, what bad is going to happen? He says, no, no, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid at all. In fact, the you here is so emphatic. He's placing believers against the Spirit, saying, hey, look, you are, you're in a completely different category than this thing. It's not your equal it's not more powerful than you, the spirit of the living God. It's way more powerful than that. He says, believers are from God. They overcome. And I think it's amazing that 1 John, 1, or 1 John has the phrase to overcome more than any other book in the New Testament aside from the book of Revelation. This, it's, the note of victory is, is very strong. And so he's warning about us about things. He says, hey, don't freak out. You're victorious. You will overcome. And it's amazing. And the verb won the victory in the original language is in this, I'm not a grammar guy, but it's uh, in the perfect tense, which means it's not a passing characteristic. It means now and on forever into the future. It's just the way that it is. 
You are the victorious church. You're filled with the Spirit of God. It's just, it's just the way that it is. You're going to live a life of victory. It's just how it goes. Come on. Let's get encouraged. It's amazing. And, uh, you know, I love this phrase. I hear this phrase a lot. It's on coffee mugs. The, you know, the spirit that's in you is greater than the spirit of the world. And we think about, yes, so I can not stop at McDonald's on my way home from work because I have the spirit of God living in me. I can't go to the gym every day, right, because I have the spirit of God. And it's true. The spirit of God is greater than every other spirit. But I think it's interesting that the context John reminds them of that is in the context of being watchful for the spirit of the Antichrist in the church specifically. Now, yes, the spirit of God is more power than anything in or out of the church for sure. But this is the context. He tells them, hey, you need to be reminded the spirit that you have is way more powerful because this is the threat that you're facing, the internal threat of the spirit trying to water down the effectiveness of the church. So pay attention. Root it out. Live your life by the spirit so that the church can be at its full potency and full effectiveness in the world. Y'all with me? All right. Let me, let me close this out. I have uh, uh, so I have some friends who, in, in Topeka, Alex and his wife Kelsey, and they have uh, four kids. They have two twin boys. And up until about two weeks ago, they were sick for like two months straight. I mean, they just like kept getting sick and and just when they'd come out of their cave they'd get sick again and they're like what is going on how are you guys sick this much this is crazy well they finally got healthy and they came back to the church and after church one time i, I saw we saw alex and and we're like hey man you guys finally feeling better you guys finally on top of it he's like yeah i think so and and right as we're standing there we see his youngest or his second youngest son joshy running down the hall toward his dad and he's just like like sliding his hand along the wall. He comes up to the counters, just like wiping his hand all over the counter, and just is like, just and and they just like rubs his hand back all over the wall, and just like shoves his hand, just whole hand in the mouth. And we're like, Alex, right there. That's why you've been sick for a month. Like, look at what your kids are doing. Like, look at everything he's putting in his mouth. He's just like rubbing his hand on the wall, and just like, you know. And you're like, bro, come on. Like, why do you think you've been sick for a month, right? Think about that. I think that is what you and I have been doing in the church. Any novel idea we hear? Oh, let's run that right through the mouth. Oh, that tastes great. Oh, it's interesting. And what? It's getting us sick. Because we're not testing. We're not paying attention. We're just like, yeah, everything. Just right? It's just like the handrail at Disneyland. Just you know? Like, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? You see what I'm saying? And just every, every idea was like, sure, this, yeah, this is great. This is amazing. Oh, yeah, love is love, you know, Marxism, whatever. Man, it just tastes great. You know, it's just like no testing, no, no sense of like, hey, maybe not all of this comes from God. You see what I'm saying? When the church sneezes, the world gets a cold. The spirit of the Antichrist is trying to water down the potency and the effectiveness of the church. And so I think it's amazing. You know how bankers identify counterfeit dollars? They don't practice looking at all the different kinds of counterfeit bills. They just get more and more knowledgeable of real dollar bills. They get more nuanced belief and idea of what a real dollar looks like. Because then when a counterfeit comes, they're like, well, that's obviously not real. 
they don't need to know all the ins and outs of how they printed it and you know all that. they just need to know what's real and the more you get to know what's real the more you obviously can see what is not real and i think that is your and i's call to action today is is this what i have been handed is this the truth that i have been given right jesus said to make disciples teaching them how much of what he taught them all teaching them all of my commands right imagine the disciples like well jesus what if they don't like your ideas on sexuality all all well jesus what if they just they only like the part where you like stand up to power and but they don't like all the other things about like bearing your cross no all all of it teach them all of the things and so it is so important that you and i we not only we take in and we take it all like go through the gospels again and look at what are the parts that make you uncomfortable? What are the parts that you maybe would prefer Jesus didn't say that? And maybe let's spend some extra time there and say, okay, Jesus, maybe the reason I'm uncomfortable is because some of the stuff I've swallowed from the culture around me, and not necessarily that's not necessarily the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit telling me to skip stuff. You see what I'm saying? So we need to take an unguarded look at everything Jesus has to say to you and I. And I think that's going to be a big part of the solution of how do you defeat this spirit of the Antichrist trying to work its way in? Well, you get to know what's real. You get to know what's real. And then my last encouragement to us is stop just letting it happen. Like resist. I see so many Christians who just like let into their house, into the church, and it's destroying their church. It's destroying their families. It's destroying their kids. And they're just like letting it happen. And it blows me away like, hey, if you really do have the spirit of the living God in you, and it really is more powerful, why are you so afraid of what people are going to think? Why are you so afraid to stand up and be like, hey, maybe this isn't right. Maybe this isn't going to lead where we think it's going to lead, right? Like, maybe let's stand up and say something about it, right? Uh, there's this family in our church who, uh, who was in our church briefly, and they, they came to church. They had a, a 17-year-old son who, whose name was Sam, and he was transitioning to be a girl, uh, it was very early, and I loved talking to this kid. It was just, I just, like, had a lot of compassion for this kid. It was just, he was really cool. He's a musician, and so we kind of connected on that, and, and it was just, it was cool. But you could tell the parents had no idea what to do. I mean, the dad was just in his own world. The mom was convinced the only way to love our son is just affirm whatever he wants to do at any moment. And I, so I had a compassion on the whole family. Like, man, I get, you guys feel stuck. You just don't know what, how to approach this. You're hearing a lot of stuff in the media about just, yeah, just affirm whatever. And it's just like, man, I want this kid to understand who God made him really to be. And so I came to the dad who was just like kind of cowing to like, well, my wife thinks we just need to do this, so we're just going to do that. I said, hey, do you really want your son to understand who God has made him to be? And do you want him to walk confidently in that identity? He said, well, yeah, of course, you know. And I said, okay, well, there's this book that some of you may have read. We read it in our church called Love Thy Body. It's incredible. Uh, how to think through many of these issues in a very clear and simple way. And so I said, hey, I'm going to give you this book. You can have mine. And I want you to read this on your own. Don't read it with your son. Don't beat it over his head. You know, well, this book says blah, blah, blah. And just read it by yourself because you don't even know what you believe. And so let's get you an understanding of what the Bible really says is true. And you wrestle with that for like a few months. And then come back and let's talk and let's see what would be a helpful, compassionate, loving way forward in how to help your son see what is true. And he said, okay, that sounds like a great plan. Two weeks later, 
he comes, hey, I have your book. I was like, wow, it was fast. You read it in two weeks? No, we uh, sat down as a whole family. We started reading it all together with our son, and, and we got probably a paragraph in, and he decided this wasn't going to be that helpful for him. And so you can have it back. I remember I was so angry, like on behalf of this kid. Like, what are you doing? I'm like getting emotional. Like, you see what you're doing, allowing this into your family. And you just think like, man, any ideas, ideas are just ideas. It doesn't matter where they come from. And it's destroying the life of your kid. And that's what's at stake. Whether it's your family or your friends or just the world in general, God has called the church to be a life-giving, solution-bringing, healing-bringing church. And many times, that means embracing the discomfort of being willing to stand for truth when it's not accepted very well. And it means a lot more than that. But at the very least, it means embracing everything about who Jesus is and about who Jesus says that we are. And the spirit of the Antichrist is working very hard to tear down what Jesus is trying to build up, which is you and I, this community of believers called the church. Y'all with me? All right, let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for everybody here. God, we pray a blessing over this church. God, I just I pray for your favor over City Life Church. Lord, this would be a community of disciples fully devoted to every teaching of Jesus, to being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. God, and I even I just pray a fresh outpouring of your Spirit upon us, God, Lord, that following Jesus wouldn't just be a, a, an intellectual exercise. God, it requires no faith to learn things but it requires faith to obey. God, give us the faith to obey. Give us the faith, the courage to not only learn, but to take it in and step out in faith in our families, in our jobs, on social media, in every area of our lives. God, everything that we're doing, help us to be little Jesuses, little Christs with, with every part of who Jesus is, not just the parts we like, every part of who Jesus is. And God, give us Give us the sight, the, the faith to, to test every idea, every belief that comes into this church and say, okay, wait, is that from the Spirit of God or is that from somewhere else? Because we are so protective over what this church could be, the potential this church could be to bless the world, to bring life and flourishing to this world. And we don't want to miss any of that. God, we bless you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org. And we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.